here. Thanks for prioritizing this. Thanks for making this an important part. Thanks for just being with us and joining in. Thanks for making the Christmas Eve service part of your family tradition. And um, I know you're busy. I know you've got so many other things to do. And so it's great that you came so that we can celebrate this momentous occasion with you. Because it's better when you're here. So I just want to take a couple of minutes to help us uh, think back again about what the Christmas story is. And Christmas means so many different things to so many different people. It's, it's a staple of the Christmas movie franchise world to say, it's time to get back to the real meaning of Christmas. And tonight, we are here to offer that. But it's not just tonight. We, we offer this on an ongoing basis, to offer the story of Christ to those who are interested, to tell the truth about what happened about what happened on that thing that eventually got named Christmas. We're also here to celebrate that story ourselves. So without further ado, let's just get into that story, okay? So in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census to be taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And everyone went to their town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and to the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and who was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths. And she placed them in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. Now, what is the sign of this great Savior to an oppressed people? Thunderbolts, lightning, very, very frightening. And this will be a sign for you. He will lead the greatest army that the world has ever known. Here you go, shepherds. Here's your sign. Here's your hope. Look for this and it will all become clear to you that this is your Savior. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's go see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, this is just one of the passages of 
uh, scripture that we could read that, that sort of tells us the Christmas story, that event that we celebrate now labeled as Christmas. There's lots of different passages. And we could focus on the Magi or the wise men or, or the, the three kings. It's all the same story. Uh, we could focus on King Herod. And actually, we, act, we did that a couple of weeks ago. For some of you, you'll remember that. God got Mary and Joseph to go from Nazareth way up in the north where they were living to Bethlehem much further south because of a census that was being taken by Caesar Augustus. Dr. Luke, the guy who wrote that passage, he's very good with details and he gives us all kinds of information. He makes sure that we get the picture right up front that this is a historical document. And it's locked in time, and it's surrounded by verifiable personalities, places, and events. This happened when Caesar Augustus was taxing the world. So this reminds us that this is a story that is not just about joy and, and peace and sweetness, but joy that comes in the middle of intense struggle, weakness, and pain. This is the first century when Rome was the external, oppressive, conquering, dominant overlord of Israel. And Israel was a defeated people, a suffering people, and they were seeing their kinsmen crucified and tortured, oppressed and arrested by all, all by this foreign tyrannical power. That same foreign tyrannical power was also being funded to oppress Israel by Israel themselves. You talk about your tax dollars going to a government project that you do not support, a policy that you are not in favor of, right? An imperial power that lives far away but was dominating them in their very own land. This was the reality that they lived in, and it had been the reality for quite some time. Times were hard, and things seemed dark. Things seemed overwhelming, and yet, they hung to the hope of a savior. Of course, the savior that they hungered for was probably much more like Dwayne the Rock Johnson, who was going to come and kick Rome out of there, than it was the savior that would come to change the human heart. They wanted a savior that would tell the other guys how bad they were, but would not tell us how bad we are. It's the human condition that we all think that somebody else needs to get their act together. And then Jesus comes and says, well, you know, you're right. You're absolutely right. Let's start with you. Where have we gone wrong? How can you change? How can I teach you about the intricacies of the human heart? And so Caesar Augustus, he's taking the census um, finding out where all the people are, where they live, so we can tax them appropriately. And as I read this story, I, uh, I find that it's relevant to my life, and I think maybe it's relevant to yours, because my immediate point of identification, maybe your point of identification too, comes when there is one side on there, there's the, there's the malevolent power, right? Which has all the ability, it has all the influence, it has all the control on its side. And on the other side, we have the oppressed underdog manipulated by circumstances, forces that are beyond their control. And when I set that up for you, who do you tend to identify with? The power or the underdog? 
seems that we always want to identify with the underdog, right? We say, oh, man, there's a lot of powers that I don't like in my life. They're doing things that I don't like. You know what? There's the man. And I want to stick it to the man. I'm tired of the man always getting his way. But somehow I feel virtuous in identifying with the underdog who's rising up against me. But let's be honest. And nobody really likes to be honest when somebody says, let's be honest. But globally speaking, we're Rome. On the large scale, we're the ones with the power. On the large scale, we're the ones that have the influence. The question for us is not whether or not it's good or bad or we should feel bad about that. It's what do we do with it? We have been given this. How do we steward what we've been giving? What do we do with our power and with our influence? And in the nativity story, we have to, uh, we like to say that we're like Mary and Joseph, oppressed by those big powers in life, but you have a lot of power just by virtue of where you live. And even when you consider the payments that you just made, or the payments that you're going to be making, you don't feel rich. But as a global citizen, you're wealthy. By virtue of where you live, you have a lot of power to make a difference in the world. So with that in mind, that sort of paints us a set of options. Do we want to live like the way of Rome or the way of Jesus? How does Jesus conquer the way of Rome? Is it with an even bigger army? I mean, we hear about an angel appearing, and then it's just like, boom, bam, and a whole heavenly host appears, a host, a legion. Those are military terms to describe an army of angels. So an army of angels just appeared on the scene for a couple of reasons. And the first one is to say, it's not that God's got nothing up his sleeves, right? Do you know where God keeps his armies? Up his sleeves. Up his sleeves. Yeah, it's, all right. It's funnier for me at home. It's not that God has no other option, right? It's not, not that he has another option that's not, I, I just have to be born as a baby. He could do something else. He could conquer through might if he wants to. And here's the heavenly green berets that just show up to prove it. Boom, they appear. They're there. And what does that army start to do? How do they flex their power? They start to sing. They clearly have the power. But we're going to use that power differently. But just so you know, God's got your back. And there's an army right there, ready and waiting. And they are going to change the world through song, not battle cries, through kindness and through servanthood, the way of the manger instead of the way of the legions. And I think that this choice is given to us over and over again. And the early church, they chose the way of Jesus for a few hundred years. We, we, we chose the way of the manger. We chose the way of service. We chose the way of kindness. We chose the way of love. And Rome continued to conquer. And Rome continued to kill. And yet the church grew and grew in size and in countercultural influence. Through service, not armed combatants. Through love, not lobby groups. Through one-on-one, -on -one, individuals repeatedly choosing, instead of power blocks legislating, they chose kindness. They chose compassion. 
over and over again, choosing the way of Jesus, even though it must have been overwhelmingly tempting to fight back and to lash out. And then at some point, the scale tipped. And we, we fell in love with the way of Rome. It's faster. Right? It's more efficient. Oh, it's cost-effective, right? It's definitely more cathartic. We took the power. We embraced the power. We built the bigger armies. We got to inflict our legislation on others, making laws that favored some and oppressed others. We took it all. We used it all. And then we tried to preach the gospel of Jesus by the way of Caesar. Now here we are today. We have the same choice to make. Every day. Which way will you follow? Will we sh when we shop, when we interact with people, do, do we give consideration to uh, global concerns? Um, if, if we begin to give more away, if that is what we want to do to be generous, to fight back against this, this, um, this mindset of Rome, then we're going to be spending less money on ourselves. So we need to make decisions about spending on or for ourselves so that we can free up resources to give away because we have been blessed so that we might be a blessing. You don't have to feel bad about what you've got, but what will you do with what you've got? This is a way that we can live out on a practical, everyday basis, following Jesus instead of following Rome. In the way that we relate to others locally, we can volunteer. You, you could do that at church, or you can do that through any of, uh, a number of other uh, groups that serve the community. Will it be the way of Rome or the way of Christ? Will it be all about me when I walk into the store and say, who's here to serve me? How come there's no staff to serve me? Or is it going to be me looking for a place for me to go and to serve? Around the dinner table with family and friends, this is going to come up. You know and I know that you're going to, go, you're going to show up somewhere in a really bad mood. And maybe that's how you arrived here tonight. Why? Because it's Christmas, right? And because we're people. And because life gets stressful. And at this time of the year, there's even more deadlines than there are normally. We get into fights. We get short with each other. We get into arguments. We bicker. But when I leave here, am I going to follow the way of Rome? Or am I going to follow the way of Jesus? And am I going to make sure that I don't let you get away with? Am I going to show you who's in charge? Or will I say, the one who teaches me how to live with each other is the one who served. The one who came from his well-established kingdom and built a kingdom from nothing on earth through gentleness, through kindness, humility. Am I, will I spread that kind of kingdom in the midst of the force that others exert around me? Will I spread that in my family, with my friends, at work, in school, in two weeks. This has been captured in the Psalms, in, in poetry, in scripture, and in songs. And consider some of the lyrics that we sing, right? We sing, joy to the world, the Lord is come. And many of us will just auto-correct that in our minds as it happens, right? We think of it as, well, we should be singing, the Lord has come, right? But it's intentionally the Lord is come. Just to remind us that this is something that not just happened in a historical moment. It's that. 
but it is so much more. It is something that has happened, is happening, and when you choose the way of Jesus, it will continue to happen. Hopefully you can mean it when you sing it. And it will continue to influence our lives. Joy to the world. The Lord is coming. The Lord, who is the king of the kingdom, the kingdom that I choose to live in by the way that I live, love, and behave. The kingdom that emphasizes the manger over the way of Rome. Because he's here. This isn't just a story about the past that we commemorate. That's not what Christmas Eve is about. This is actually a story about the present and a new way of living life for us. This is about a kingdom that we can be a part of. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. And he is the Lord. He is the master, the king of the kingdom that I am a part. A kingdom that is taking over the world through kindness, through gentleness, through servanthood, through compassion, and through humility. We do with other songs as well. Uh, what about the little drummer boy, right? Little drummer boy shows up and he balances the story of the three kings, right? The magi, we sing about them, the magi, the wise men, the three kings, and we sing, we three kings of Orient are. And we get it wrong on all three counts, right? They weren't kings. Um, we, we don't know how many there were, but probably not three. Um, and they're from the Orient, but, well, they're from the East, but who says they're from the Orient? We don't know how far East they're from. Um, but, but as long as you, you, you can sing something that we've sung repeatedly, we sing it with boldness and we put it on Christmas cards, it must, must be true, right? I mean, that just must be what the story is. And we balance that story with the little drummer boy who sings, I've got nothing. I don't have the treasures. I don't have the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh. I've got music. And I'd love to offer you this. It's my talent. It's my service. Here, let, let me do for you what I can with what I have. And we remind ourselves through songs and poetry and scripture that our way of faith is a calling to a different way. In the midst of argument, in the midst of frustration, in the midst of the lineups, in the midst of the battle for the parking space, our way is the way of servanthood and gentleness. Winning through kindness. And when you win that way, everyone wins. I just want to encourage you as you leave here tonight that this Christmas, you have a choice that you can make. You can make things different in your life. You can live differently in every moment, with every interaction, when the frustration rises and you choose to follow the way of Rome or the way of Christ. And sometimes we slide back. Sometimes we'll be aware, you know what? I did it again. I chose the way of Rome. But you can still come back. And you can follow the way of Christ again. The way of Christ is the way of forgiveness to those who have harmed or wronged us as well. And then we, sink, we seek the way of repentance when we find that we are the ones in the wrong. Change. You can change. You can bring change. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace in sending Jesus. 
Thank you for your kindness in offering us not only a changed heart ourselves, but to then be part of a kingdom that teaches and reminds us of a different way of living. Thank you for calling us into an experience, a family, a kingdom of love. And I pray that we might conquer the kingdoms of Rome in our own hearts through the gentleness that you model for us by the power of your spirit. We look forward to catching glimpses of you and growing closer to you this Christmas season. Thanks for showing up again and again and again, Jesus. Amen.